For March 23rd, 2020, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 612. Who just joined? Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are like your smart, funny co-workers on a Zoom meeting. And that's what we're going to do today. At a time when we are all working from home, when a lot of people, I shouldn't say we are all, when many of us are experiencing remote work from the first time, when uh, Zoom, the Zoom client shot up in the app stores, uh, you know, in and all the mobile platforms to the number one most downloaded app spot, and we're all on video calls together. We are doing a, a video call. We are having a remote meeting uh, together, and we're gonna, um, you know, we're gonna uh, just uh, burn through our agenda items, and we're gonna we're gonna take note of all our action items today. Now, uh, who's that? Who just joined? Is it is it Peter Fenzel? Is that hey? Is that hey? Pete? Can you hear me, Pete? Can you hear me? Uh, is that is that Pete Fenzel? Hey, can you hear me? Can oh, you guys sorry. Hear me? I think there's a little lag on the. I think there's a little lag. Hey, on the... I'm just plugging my Bluetooth in. My Bluetooth is pairing. Okay. Got okay. It. All right. All right. Can you hear me? All right. So we're just going to let the next six minutes of this episode be silent, so that everyone can <laughs> dial in. Who's going to do like it? It's like a slice of the work from home life, people. It's reality. What happened if people stop being polite and start being real from home? <laughs> I yeah. I used to watch this thing that Kevin Pollak, the comedian, would do. It was like a kind of early internet like streaming talk show kind Mm -hmm. of thing that he would do and he would always do a joke where in the middle of talking he would and the joke was that it was like he was buffering you know that like he was he had frozen in the middle of it and that like uh i think they even got a little icon to uh to spin (laughs) um so uh, on the podcast, you're listening to this in audio, but if you were an Overthinking It member, and, uh, and our members are, are the heroes, the heroes who support us with uh, a contribution of about five bucks a month in order to just support the work that we do, and uh, in exchange for this, they get the, the warm, fuzzy feeling that comes with uh, the, knowing you have helped your friends <laughs> do something good. And uh, uh, they also get access to the digital library on overthinking it. And um, I'm, I'm laughing because uh, you don't see this. You see, this is the kind of premium content you're missing out on not being a member. But Pete is uh, messing around with his camera. And what, uh, what did you do, Pete? You had a moose uh, puppet that just climbed your microphone. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Things are really crazy here. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm taking care of the stuffed moose and I'm trying to deal with everything coming at me. But I am locked in for this meeting, Matt, 100 <laughs> percent. You don't have to that's, worry about me. That's I good. Let's, uh, yeah, let's really, we're going to action this. We're going to, we're really going to action these things. Um, our, our members are, are looking at this as a video, which is available in the members area in the digital, mm-hmm. in the digital library to get the full Zoom meeting experience. Pete and me with our microphones and our, uh, our <laughs> headphones on. Pete covering his eyes like Tiresias with a bandana. This is the premium content that you could get as a member. So if you would like to uh, be one, overthinkingit.com slash join. Join the heroes. Join the members. Join the overthinkers at overthinkingit.com slash join. All right. What we did is put out a, 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 a call to our members for agenda items. Um, agenda item, by the way, is redundant. Um, Right, agenda is the plural. I am. Uh, <laughs> I uh, agenda is the plural of to do. 
uh, or agendum in Latin, which is means like thing you have to do. It's a, a, a gerundive um, thing which is to be done, and from uh, ago agere, right? And and so agenda are the things to be done. So saying agenda, uh, it's it would be like the things to be done things. Uh, is what agenda items roughly translates mm-hmm. to. So let's, uh, let's, uh, take these agenda items, which were emailed in by our, uh, by our members. And it's going to be kind of like a listener feedback episode. But please remember, this is an important business meeting that we are conducting because we've all been working remotely this week. And so let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's get to work and start, uh, start doing our, uh, start, uh, burning through our agenda here. All right. Action item number one, uh, Pete, Andy, listener Andy writes in to say, I, I should say not just listener Andy, member Andy writes in to say, I have one item I would li- love to get your thoughts on. Now, Andy, let's start here. Uh, it's not an item if it's one thing, because in a list in Latin, you would say in like in principia, in principis or in principio for the first item. And then uh, item, 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 which means roughly and another thing and another thing and another thing. So uh, one, you have one in principi, in principi, in principio, mm-hmm. principesa. Uh, mm-hmm. Remember Roberto Benini? God. That guy was that guy was uh, interesting for life is in fact beautiful. Yep. Yeah, for the forty five seconds he was in Hollywood, I would love to get your thoughts on this. Do you think television shows and movies being shut down will provide YouTube and Twitch streamers even more mind share in the next generation of overthinkers? Great question, member Andy. Mm-hmm. P, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's reasonable. I think that it was already headed in that direction. I wonder whether you're going to see people shift. Whether you're going to see people who were watchers of TV and movies shift to watching more streaming or more, I guess you have to make the distinction between what skeuomorphic streaming where it's streaming, but in the style of a television show or movie, right? Where it's, it's providing you with the familiar experience that was dictated by the previous medium of delivery, which you would include things like Disney plus and Netflix uh, and Amazon prime and whatnot, or whether you're talking about experiencing streaming as it is, I suppose, more shaped by the medium in a, in a in a different sort of way, which would be stuff like YouTubers and and Twitch and whatnot. Uh, I mean, I've I've been a consumer, as it were, of the latter for a, a good number of years at this point. Uh, a lot of my watching is you know streaming of video games or YouTube channels or kind of extend podcasts. I've been mainlining Critical Role for a while, which is probably part of why I look a little bit haggard because it's hundreds of hours of that. But but I would say it is. Is this going to be the... I don't think this is the tipping point. Um, I think that to an extent, it was something that was already happening, but this might cause people to notice it more. Um, It's funny because I I really haven't heard a lot from the YouTubers that I watch, at least, that would indicate that this is any different, that they've got new viewers, that, that this is a change in some way. In certain ways, it's actually worse for the streamers. Uh, For one thing... Streaming isn't necessarily great as a sole mode of income for a lot of people who do it, I think. Mm. And so a lot of the streamers that I watch have some sort of commercial relationship that's associated with their streaming. A lot of times, say it's a Magic the Gathering streamer who's sponsored by a particular Magic the Gathering card store online or something like that. So if that business gets impacted by something like this, then it actually kind of feels like it impacts the streaming too. Uh, Even if the streaming can continue, it feels a little bit less supported. So it's interesting, right? Because... On one hand, there is the sense that what you're talking about is the pie is getting smaller, 
for whatever sort of constrained period of time this is. And it might get bigger in the future. And, and if it gets bigger, will it be in the same proportion it was before? Probably not because it was headed in a different direction anyway. But then the other mention of it is like, well, yeah, but the shrinking pie also affects the streamers in certain ways, probably more than we might be aware of, mm. um, you know, the, the anxiety in their lives and things like that. I'm not sure. Matt, what do you think about that one? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right with that. Uh, it was headed in this direction anyway, right? Like oh, yeah. that this is not um, that the sort of the multi-channel, the kind of the, the, the multi-platform mindset was already going to be what kids were, what, yeah. you know, um, these, these uh, uh, fun loving teenagers were all about, you know, no matter what, uh, happened here. I, I do think like the idea that, um, streaming because, and like streaming, I guess like YouTube or Twitch, like this is, it's, it's one way of using video streaming. I, I know a lot of people, like a lot of direct marketing people on the internet who I know, like have gone to Instagram more or less. Like mm. one in particular is like, all right, I'll do a, uh, you know, two hour Q and a every evening at like 8 PM Eastern or something yeah. like that. My so wife that, watched like, the cooking show on Instagram today. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We normally have watched on TV. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. So like for the, I, I, as you say, for the kind of the legacy players in streaming it's kind of weird to to call them that but like for the legacy players uh the marketplace is getting more crowded mm. you know and that like um people with uh global size followings with non-niche followings are sort of coming online and and doing it like if selena gomez starts streaming with her you know however many 200 million instagram followers or something like that it just sucks all the the oxygen out of the streaming room you know like there's no there's no way that you're like uh, your, you know, 5,000 person Magic the Gathering YouTube channel can compete because everyone loves Selena Gomez and no one doesn't want to watch Selena Gomez talk about whatever she wants to talk about on uh, on streaming her kidney transplant but or something. What if she plays Magic the Gathering? Because oh, then... oh, 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 worlds collide. Uh, that's a... Uh, Big brain yeah. on that one. <laughs> galaxy. Galaxy. <laughs> galaxy brain. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it is, it is interesting. I mean, like the, also though, like streaming is also Netflix, you know, Amazon TV, Hulu, Apple TV, uh, Disney, right? Like this is all, this is also this. So like the, the extra time, the sort of the mindshare might just be going to, the big players in the game rather than necessarily the, the niche players getting more, you know, getting, getting more um, stuff. It's it, honestly, it's, it's similar to what we, we have seen in, in podcasting in the yeah. last couple, in the last couple of years where like the big players are coming in and like where we are, you know, frankly at about 30% of the audience that we had in our heyday uh, because it's a much, much more crowded uh, it's a much more crowded marketplace and, and with a greater diversity of, of, uh, of offerings, like, a, you know, a bunch of, of educated nerdy dudes having a roundtable discussion about movies, right. Became a, like, uh, it's practically a cliche at this yeah. point, you know, like, and, and, um, uh, I don't know. And, and uh, also it's not about serial killers, so it doesn't get a, a huge thing. Wow. If we keep Yet. going at this pace, people will never. Yet. <laughs> 
uh, we'll we'll never get Pete if we go at this pace. We'll never get through all these agendas. So I'm I'm yep. gonna go on. Uh, member Joe writes in a lot of these a lot of these uh, suggested agenda from um, from our members were about. Uh, the phenomenon of remote work itself were about, uh, you know, and the phenomenon of, of sort of video conference meetings. So, um, I think we can wrap a lot of these up into, into one answer, but I'm going to read, uh, Joe's submission here. How does working from home slash podcasting from home affect what qualifies as work versus personal? On the whole, uh, overthinking, it keeps about the same boundaries between personal and persona that conventionally exist between personal and conventional professional. Um, there's nothing that I know about your lives that I don't know about my coworkers' lives, says mm. member Joe. Uh, was that mirroring of the boundary with the conventional personal professional an intentional decision or was it the result of just defaulting to a cultural convention about where lines get drawn. Does working from home and or podcasting from home change that line? I mean, we always podcast from home, but yeah, I take your point. Uh, it, uh, if not, how can it not when work meetings will have the occasional kids' voice, yelling, complaining, etc. in the background? And uh, what effect will working from home uh, or working from isolation have on the already shifting notion of providing a curated, shared with the public view of private life, your Instagram self? We've gone from people sharing photos of their breakfast to people posting carefully uh, prepared, managed photos of events that are presented as carrying the trappings of being personal. Um, I guess wedding photos fall in this, you know, and and other like life milestones or vacations and stuff. Um, so I'm I'm commenting on uh, Joe's email. It's a bad habit, and I should stop. Will the actual forced exposure to private lives affect this? Is the fact that I view Instagram influencers attending Coachella with friends as a personal event prevented, presented publicly just the result of having uh, my having Gen X notions of what public is? That's, that's, I mean, that's interesting. You know, Pete, I, I know you tried to, uh, you tried to get your Zoom background going on our Zoom <laughs> I did. call, on our Zoom call here. And I definitely have done that, uh, over the course of the, the past week when I've been Zooming from home. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's been, uh, you know, it's been really, uh, it has been really sort of interesting. I have a colleague, uh, at my job. Uh, oh, lovely. Yeah, Pete's changing his background now. Uh, what? And the, the what members do you mean? What are you <laughs> Pete, is the, noise, uh, is the noise getting to you? The, the noise from those muscle cars in the oh, background? Oh, from the giant cars that are right behind me right yeah, now? No, it's, a, it's all good. Okay, that's good. Um, the, uh, yeah, and uh, I, have, I have a coworker at my job um, that, who uh, zoomed in with a fake background. It was actually, it was not showy. It was not like a tropical paradise. It was not a, um, you know, and not like uh, uh, some of us did like Dr. Evil type mansions, like, like lairs. Uh, but he, uh, he did a, like a badly lit sort of uh, photo of just a, a pyramid of toilet paper <laughs> behind him. That was, uh, uh, it was, it was pretty hilarious because it was subtle. You had to like look to notice, uh, that he was sitting as though he were hoarding toilet paper in the, in the current quarantine. I don't know. How do you think about your self presentation, uh, as an overthinker or as a, as a professional and how is it changing under these circumstances? Well, I've done a lot of work from home over the past, I would say, 12 years. Uh, I've generally had work that has at least a little bit of a a flexible arrangement. 
Uh, I worked a, from home a lot during the financial crisis because there you were call a lot it, of people you in call the it, office. Uh, you call it work with benefits? <laughs> uh, well, hopefully you have benefits. <laughs> I, I don't joke about getting benefits from work because sometimes you don't get them and you really Fair need enough. them. Um, but I, what I would say is that having done a lot of work from home and, and interacting with a lot of people working from home, and I do say this all with like the utmost respect, I would not equate working from home with the uh, the performative view into my life that you get from an Instagram post. I certainly haven't experienced it that way. And maybe you guys have, but my experience with working from home, uh, is, um, that you, you, it works best for people who have already cultivated a, a working, a working from work persona. And in fact, I would even venture to say that this doesn't particularly correlate to older people. I know younger people too, who are actually better than the older people at cultivating working from work personas, probably because they're used to putting so much of their life on stage on social media, at least in part. So they, they, and, and these are people who then take that experience and then deploy it in, and I work in pretty big companies, you know, uh, relatively formal workplaces, which are all at this point you wearing jeans and whatnot for the most part anyway. But still, it's sort of like, I know that you are not showing me what you're like when you're actually at home. What you're doing is you're creating... There's a proscenium relationship with the media that I'm using to interact with you. Um, and, and, and so... In that sense, uh, and also, I guess it's it's just not that exciting, right? It's not it's not fun. I'm not like seeing into your life, right? It's just we're using telecommunications tools slightly differently to do what we're doing. And I would say, if anything, working from work is more intimate than working from home because then you see the people when they are off stage, like because you can't really. I mean, some people can, but most people don't really sustain full on professional lockdown like all day. But I know more things about people that I've sat next to that were in an office than I do about people that I Skype with or, or Slack with or Trello with or whatever, right? I mean, with you guys, I know a lot because we go way back and we're really good friends. But it's like my closest friends from work who I know the most about have always been people that I see in person. Um, and, and in that sense, I think that working from home is not really pulling back a curtain. It's putting up an additional curtain. Because you don't see people when they're not talk, they don't want to talk to you. <laughs> you don't see them when they're thirsty or hungry. Um, not for the most part, anyway. You just see them when they're interacting with you with purpose, which is great. You know, it's great that people interact with each other with purpose when they're at work. That that's what it's for. But if you're really expecting, I mean, maybe other people are having a hugely different experience. But from my experience, it's much more like you know, there there are moments of intimacy and in work from home. And there's another question that I think I might wait for. Uh, to answer that and to go into a little more detail about what does make it intimate, but I'm not sure. I mean, Matt, you've done a lot, fair lot of remote work. You probably have thoughts about about this, about what feels more or less intimate, what feels more or less personal, what makes it feel like you know people better or worse. Um, I mean, what I wore prescription orthotics through entirety of high school because of a foot problem. Now you know something about me you don't know about your coworkers. Like, ah. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I I get that. There there are actually a couple of things being conflated here, right? Like, okay. so being remote from your coworkers is one thing. Yeah. Being at home specifically mm -hmm. is another thing. So like I rented an office in a co-working space with two other guys uh, for a long time, for a period of several years when I was working at... Um, so when I was running the redesign of Hollywood Reporter and Billboard, right? Mm -hmm. And so like I was working with a team of their employees in New York and Los Angeles, uh, contractors around the country, um, 
a couple of agencies, U.S. based agencies, uh, a development firm in Kiev, and uh, QA testers in India. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was remote from the people I was uh, I was kind of managing and leading this project, but I wasn't. Um, I wasn't working from home, right? I was working from an office. It just didn't happen to be, uh, didn't happen to be the company's office. Uh, do you see the distinction I'm making, Pete? Yeah, no, totally. I, I totally see what you're saying. Uh, and, yeah. And so the, uh, the, <laughs> the thing that I noticed, uh, you know, the thing that I noticed about that was like having, I'm still like really tight. Some of my best local friends in LA are these two guys that I rented the office with. And I think we were such good friends because we didn't actually work together. So our relationship was entirely just sort of social and as kind of roommates, like as people who had, you know, three desks in a room and we had like little rituals ourselves, like at three 30, we would make coffee, you know, in, in a, you know, in an absurdly, uh, convoluted method that we were I, I actually just so happened that like um one of my coworkers was as big a coffee snob as me and and you know owned possessed a, a comparable amount of coffee brewing equipment you know scales uh uh you know heat heating um implements brewing implements and stuff like that and we had that um I like that a lot. Like if, if I think of my happiest professional situation, just in terms of like office, you know, even at, at companies where I've been like a vice president and had my own office and like, you know, been like on the executive team and had, you know, it has not been as good as that setup, uh, just in terms of like the health of my soul, the, the social, the, the social thing. So like that social, that social thing is one. And then like not, um, and then not sort of being, uh, uh, distributed from your, your coworkers being remote, being remote from your coworkers. What, what happens is that those sort of interstitial times, the like the walking to and from things or like meeting in the hallway or like, you know, washing your hands at the sink in the bathroom or something like that, where you get those like, 15 to 20 second interactions that are just the little they're the, they're the tiny little lego blocks they're they're like those one by two lego blocks right yeah. that cement in the you know the holes in the rest of the legos they're like the mortar and the wall the kind of the the interpersonal wall of of work now the, so like um i i think about that uh, you know, I mean, I, I think about these things that like that and that this time, this, this present time, um, we need, we need a way of talking about it. We need a phrase that we can use that's not like in the, in this emergency or something like that. But like under the current set of circumstances that we find ourselves with like a global health crisis and, uh, more or less like a shelter in place order in mm-hmm. a lot of countries, um, and certainly in the big cities in, in most developed countries and also, um, you know, a lot of, uh, white collar people in their first world problems having to suddenly like sit at a desk like I'm doing now and talk to their coworkers like this for the first time. Um, like there's a lot of stuff that's piled on top, your own anxiety about the global health situation. Like people, people are, you know, worried about like the social order melting down. People are worried about their parents getting sick. You know, the, uh, people are worried about like whether there's going to be enough toilet paper at this store. People are worried about like a lot and, and not all of these totally rational, uh, except in that people behave 
irrationally. And so worrying about irrational things, I guess, is rational given how irrationally people behave. Um, like this is a, a lot uh, kind of piled on to the current, you know, to the current situation. And so like thinking of it as a referendum on, you know, distributed work, uh, it doesn't make a, a ton of sense to me. The, the yeah, other thing well, I, say, I mean, the big oh, yeah. reason is also on top of all that is that people have their kids at home. Yes. I just want to throw that in there because if the schools work from home does not mean you have your kids at home with you, right. it doesn't, doesn't work that way. I mean, that's what you have to do if you don't have the kids in the schools or the daycares are closed, but that's, that's a real, that's the really big difference. I think, um, in terms of professional work, but anyway, sorry, I just wanted to get that in there before you move on to the next topic. The last thing about Instagram, the, the kind of the difference between, between this and influencers is the, the, the aspect of work, right? Because in work, there is work product, unless you're like me and are a manager and, you know, get paid to do nothing at all. But the, uh, there is work product, right? Like you actually, you can't just sustain it on beautiful selfies, like on really, you know, right. on really cool, you know, uh, picture photos of a sunset. I mean, there, there are people who try and we've all worked with people who try, um, you know, and try to kind of like socially engineer work to get done on their behalf, even though they don't like put their shoulder to the wheel. But, you know, I work in technology. And so like at a, at a certain point, computer code is going to get written, it's going to get reviewed and it's going to get shipped to production or not. Right. And that, that like, so it, it would be more akin to like looking at someone, some Instagram influencers, beautiful Hawaiian vacation, and then like examining minutely the resort bill <laughs> for their, uh, for their Hawaiian vacation. Right. Like, and looking, uh, at each line item that they've been charged with for the, uh, uh, for the, the vacation that they've been, that they've been doing. Um, that, that would be more like, uh, working with, um, that would be more like a kind of work from home situation with the kind of the curated identity, because I can curate all the identity. Uh, I can curate all the identity that I want, but it, you know, if my, my code is constantly failing tests. If I can't, you know what I mean? Like if, if I'm bringing the surfer down, like it doesn't matter, uh, about my, my beautiful selfies. It, it's just more, um, there is, you know, in some sense, an objective standard, uh, that is going on, that's going on as well. Uh, listener, uh, sorry, member Derek, uh, uh, in your agenda, please something about, the semiotics and rhetoric of how one participates in a tele-meeting. Uh, what, for instance, does it mean to join audio only or on video to display a carefully curated background or a casual chaotic one or one that is ambiguous as to which category it's in? Sprezzatura. Or uh, to green screen it well or poorly and the choice of what fake background to use, to dress or not to dress oneself below the belt line. There's so much to the audio and video choices and meetings that individuals don't have to think about or reveal when they're sitting around uh, an old-fashioned table. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah. So a couple of rhetorical standbys that I've experienced in work from home. Uh, you always want to have that one small talk topic that you start with when you start your calls. Uh, and, th- and again, I will distinguish working from home, working remotely. I've had bosses who've been remote pretty much my entire career uh, with only a few exceptions. So for, from another city, right? Because it's a very distributed kind of capability that I work in. But, um, but yeah, you, know, you want to be able to start with at least one sort of casual topic to get everybody started. Um, one of the weird little rhetorical things is that over time, what it means to be late has changed. Because if... 
when there's a certain number of people in the meeting who have to be there in person, mm. there's a certain assumption that it's going to take a couple of minutes to get from one side of the building to the other, or there's some sort of issue. If somebody is coming from one meeting for to another, they might be late getting there. And so being late, you know, you could be there five minutes late. You don't want to be, but you could be there five minutes late and it's not like entirely unexpected. If you have it's, a big meeting, yeah. It's one so. of the most annoying cultural norms to me. And, and yet one that I think we all have to be kind of gentle and forgiving about. But, 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 but to, to dispense with the, the, the moral aspect of it, the, the practical and structural aspect is I think a little more urgent, which is that people are booking back to back to back to back to back on these things especially when you have a lot of people who are kind of deciding and working in offices and there's so many meetings and there's the question of, okay, you know, I have one meeting that takes 30 minutes, another meeting that takes 30 minutes, another meeting that takes an hour all in a row with each other. They're not all going to take the amount of time that they're supposed to. So what happens if one of them goes over or goes under? And, and I, what I think has changed is that when you get over a critical mass of the number of people who are dialing in remotely, the, the idea that the first couple of minutes of a meeting are going to involve people kind of like settling in is gone, right? It used to feel that way. It used to feel like, sure. you, know, if, you know, you didn't want to be late. It was bad, but somebody would be late. Uh, now it's like if people, here's what I'd say. How late do you have to be to a meeting before you have to apologize? At this point, for me, it's like 45 seconds. Yeah. Like, like the, the, the standard that people hold themselves to is like, if that minute clicks, right? If it goes one minute over, sure. you'll have people dying and being, I'm sorry, I'm late, right? Because also everybody's clocks are now syn- synchronized, which they weren't before uh, because you had clocks in your ro- rooms and buildings. And by yeah, before, I enough. mean like 15 years ago when I first started uh, remote work here yeah. and there. Um, and so I would say another thing, so you want to have your first topic. Uh, I'm in Massachusetts. We talk about the weather all the time. It's kind of a joke. You don't always have to talk about the weather, but it, you know, sports don't work as well. Hey Pete, you know? what, do you, what do you do if you don't like the weather in Massachusetts? Uh, wait a minute. Hey, <laughs> well, don't um, wait. A, don't wait a full minute because then you'll be late to the meeting. Yeah. Hey, yo! Uh, learn if you want to talk about sports. Learn the specific sports teams of the people who are on the call that they like. Uh, otherwise, talking about sports comes off as sexist, and you don't want to do it. Uh, and this is regardless of whether I mean, if you're whether male or female or, or uh, express a different gender identity, I think in general. Uh, the acceptability of sports as a default topic is pretty diminished. Um, so I would say it, it helps to know like, okay, well, this person likes this team. So I can, if I ask you, Matt, I know you love the, uh, the LA Galaxy, right? You're a big Galaxy fan? LAFC. LA LAFC. Club. You're a big LAFC it's fan. It's the other, it's the second MLS franchise yeah. in Los Angeles. So I, if I'm on a conference call with you and 15 other people and we're logging in and everybody else is logging in and I want to start with my soft topic, I can say, hey, Matt, How's the LAFC doing out there? They're, they're not playing a season, Pete. That's how they're doing. <laughs> there we go. We've, we've covered our topic. Now to the agenda, right? But I don't want to ask you, hey, you know, did you see the game? Because that makes everybody... Oh, yeah. I saw that game. Or, yeah, exactly. And you, it's, mean, and it's you mean the the League of Legends tournament, don't you? you <laughs> That's you the game, You can still talk right? about that in a lot of places. I mean, maybe. Maybe in your workplace. I would also say... Um, I actually Video. work, I work yeah. like a stone's throw, like a, like a good five iron shot from Riot's headquarters. So oh, it's, you do? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Maybe you're going to go gank them sometime. And a lot of my, <laughs> a lot of my coworkers actually, actually come from there. Um, it's oh, really? a, it's a pretty interesting company, Riot. Is. Oh, that's awesome. I played league like for four solid years, like quite a bit. Uh, but then I got tired of being emotionally abused by my 80 carry. So I stopped. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I would say video, 
Video, I found it surprising. It, it works the opposite way that you would think, at least in my experience, uh, in that, in the similar to the idea of working from home doesn't feel more intimate than working from the office does. Uh, I, in my experience as well, video feels more intimate than not video. And I, I've, I don't, and maybe you've experienced this differently because of like the tech thing or the West Coast thing. But for me, it's very rare that there's like maybe like a, there's some people who will dial in on video and they're high ranking and they're really put together and they'll be really put together on the video. But almost all the time, the people who are dialing in on the video are, are nice people, often from the Midwest, right? Or from the South and not from the Northeast, <laughs> right? Who like are, who are, who are trying to express a sort of cordiality and an openness. And, and, and the video is part of expressing that openness. And I think part of it is a respect thing because they want to see that they have your undivided attention. But even more than that, it's like, I've been on calls where there's been a group of teammates and they all go on video. And then the question is, do you also go on video? Because most of the people who are guests of the call are not going to go on video. Uh, and, and because honestly, it's because they're multitasking while they're on the meeting, right? Like that's just a basic oh, thing about sure. being booked back to back to back with a hundred other things that you have to be doing. Everyone's doing more with less, right? That was the, that was the sort of precondition to our current circumstance with regards to how essential duties were handed out around the world, which is everyone do more than less, more with less. Everyone do five jobs at the same time. Uh, and by the way, now everything's broken. Uh, but, uh, but what I mean is that if you are willing to go on video, you are more likely to be seen as part of the in-group of the people who are on the video. And you could curate your... I think it's good to have a background of some kind. I mean, what you guys can't see because I've tilted my camera is I've set up a bookshelf behind me, which and I intend to, at some point, set up a better camera here in my office so the bookshelf can be behind me. Um, it's just it's, it's, It makes you look like you're in prison if you've just got a white wall behind you and you just don't want to give that impression. Um, it's just, it's not fun to see yourself like that. And it's not fun to see other people like that. So I like the idea of having a dynamic background. Hey, I am um, in prison, Pete. It's called capitalism. Look <laughs> it up. Are you, are you familiar with the general decor of socialist departments? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things. And now granted, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that the contrapositive, <laughs> like the, the, the converse yeah. is, there's a lot of, there's a lot of every, the human spirit can find infinite ways to make it boring. Yeah. It's funny. I live in my, my apartment now is like a, a Soviet, uh, you know, brutalist apartment block with, uh, with like concrete floors and, you know, uh, and I paid extra for that, for these yeah. stainless steel, these unadorned stainless steel appliances, these big white walls, these high ceilings, this polished concrete floor. Mm -hmm. Uh, what a country. <laughs> so what I was saying, is that the implication of working from home is that you have to get over and pass the assumption that you're goofing off and or not paying attention. And it's almost worse for the person you're talking to if you're working on something else than if you're goofing off. Almost. Not quite, but almost, right? Because they, they don't want you to think, they don't want to think that you, you are working with, with one of their coworkers and you think their stuff is more important than yours. So if you're going to dress up nicely, I, I would recommend dressing up a little bit nicely if you're going to be on camera. From home, I would also recommend dressing up a little bit nicely when you're working from home in general, just to, so the days don't blur together because they can get really freaking dark sometimes where you're just like cranking, oh, cranking, yeah. working like 12 hour days, right? It's like get up, microwave some oatmeal, you know, work for 10 hours, order General So's chicken, hate yourself, play TF2 until two in the morning, <laughs> go to sleep. 
<laughs> I've lived that life. I don't recommend it. It's very bad. Um, it seems, it, it seems yeah. bad. Yeah. Like a lot of the advice, there was a lot of uh, like a whole cottage industry of my coworkers giving each other advice on Slack about, uh, mm-hmm. about working at home. Um, yeah. And like actually working at home is different from the setup that I had renting an office, mm-hmm. um, you know, and working remotely. Like, cause then I had a place to go to. It was one block from my apartment. It was like a, a three or four minute stroll. It was glorious. God, everything about that setup was glorious. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing gold can, can stay or. Well, so I would say in much the same way, but a lot of the advice, sorry. a lot of the advice was about creating boundaries between <laughs> on duty time and off duty time. You do that with the morning routine. You do that by dressing for work, as you're saying, Pete. And then you also do it by knocking off at a certain time and like not focusing on work uh, the, the rest of the day. Um, it helps. I mean, it helps if your work gives you a computer that is different from your personal computer. Yeah. That way, the work machine and the goofing off machine or the leisure machine are two different uh, are two different machines rather than being self-employed as I was for a number of years and having the work machine and the goofing off machine being the same machine, in which case there's no, there's yeah. no point at work where you couldn't easily be goofing off and no yeah. point during goofing off when you couldn't easily be working. And it's very hard to maintain boundaries in those circumstances. Yeah. Boundaries are important here. Definitely. Definitely. So yeah, I would say in much the same way that social distancing is not about keeping yourself from getting sick, but from act from keeping other people from getting sick, right? It's the idea that like, if act such that if you are sick, you don't transmit it to somebody else, putting yourself together to work from home on video is, is less about other people respecting you and more about how much respect you communicate to other people. And yeah, you know, there's the kind of thing where you have a self-interest in not being seen as disrespectful, but it's sort of like, it really helps, I think, in these sort of collaborative relationships where you don't get to see this sort of incidental time with other folks for them to understand that, that their time matters to you. And, and I think that it's a nice thing to do. And it's also, I think, effective at, at kind of building relationships. It's understanding people's vocabulary because there's no single rule. I'm sure that there are younger people who like really cultivate like witty backgrounds and fun things. I don't work for those kinds of places, uh, but I'm sure they exist. And you always want to learn the language of the place where you are and that rhetoric. Um, Don't quit early. Um, Don't leave the meeting early, especially if there's going to be a chime when you leave. A lot of the time, here's a, here's a fun fact. Um, for those of us who, uh, so if you're setting up, man, we're going to go deep on this one. We're really overthinking it. Uh, <laughs> if you set up a mass meeting in Outlook, if you have to use Outlook, right? Uh, and you set up a meeting with a whole bunch of people and say an executive has their assistant set up this meeting with this whole bunch of people, if they have one, right? You probably have one for the whole department at this point, if they still, uh, if they still are around because everyone's doing more with less. Um, they can either do it from the calendar of the person who is participating in the meeting, but then that person is going to get all the meeting accepts and rejects, or they could potentially set up a calendar external from any of the participants, send out the meeting from there. One of the consequences of that is it can be very hard to turn off the entrance and exit chimes in, in Skype if you're using it, right? Hmm. So like, basically, assume that when you leave, it's going to go bonk, bonk, or like, hey, this person left, or like, you know, sayonara, right? Uh, and, and don't do that if it's not time to leave. And if this is new to you, uh, that's that's an important thing to know because it's not like it tells you that it does that, right? It's not like it tells you like, oh, by the way, if you leave five minutes early because you have to go run to lunch, it's going to sound like you just slammed the door of the convenience store. The bell's going to ring. The cat's going to look around and everyone's going to be like, well, I guess they don't care about what they're doing, that kind of thing. So so I would I would suggest that. Join on time, soft, soft topic, 
make it person specific, avoid being prejudicial in doing it. And, and especially if you're a dude, uh, it's not dude talk time. Uh, I've definitely found that, that uh, working with women, they, they, they are more comfortable. I think these days doing more kind of, uh, gendered topics in soft talk because of the entrenched power dynamics than, than dudes are in my experience, but my experience is probably not typical. Um, and, uh, and, and cause you know, it's not as much of a threat, I suppose. Um, but yeah, and then just like be respectful, join the video. If other people are joining it, if you want to be seen as part of their in- Uh oh, we're uh, dealing with one of the one of the big problems of of remote work, which is that Pete has frozen. Because they, oh no, his, his video has frozen. That he said it was not a buffering. It was not a buffering joke. Pete, we lost yeah. you for a second, oh, but I'm, I'm going to leave that in. I'm not going to edit that out because I feel like it adds to the verisimilitude of our of our remote meeting here. I really wish you got the error message that I got, which was your connection is unstable, flashing across my screen. <laughs> like, tell um, me about it. The world is unstable at this point but no we're all uh, doing our best we're let's push hard. it we're uh it. let's yeah. push on uh, member d ford says i've uh, been full-time telework for the last five years really the biggest issue for me now is wondering what the right volume to play podcasts and my mid-afternoon dance break is when other people are also in the house I mean, oh. this is this is interesting that like uh, other people, other people being in the house, like you have multiple remote workers who are co-located, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and I I did this this week with uh, with my girlfriend in my place um, because I have all the monitors <laughs> and the uh, you know the um, the dynamic when one of us had to to take a call. Uh, like if it's a cell phone call, whoever it was went out into the other room. But if it was a non-cell phone call, you know, you just put headphones on and deal with the the best you can. If it's a if it's a, a video call, uh, member Julie uh, writes, I work for a fully remote company, so I'm curious if folks that are experiencing this for the first time. Uh, see themselves as wanting to go back to an office. Is the pull of free snacks and seeing other humans overcoming the ability to wear sweatpants and slippers all day. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I, we would argue that you probably shouldn't wear sweatpants and slippers all day unless you're like at a, a pro level with this. But like, I, I don't know, Peter, are you going to be anxious to go back into the office once all, all this uh, business is dispensed with? Probably. Well, I mean, for me, it's, we've talked about this before recently, the commute, right? Um, the For commute sure. is a factor, but in terms of getting ready and getting dressed, well, one of the things is that working from home makes you very sedentary. And when you're very sedentary, you put on weight and then your business clothes don't fit because business clothes are like starchier and more fitted than regular clothes. <laughs> and so part of why you wear sweatpants at home is because you're also eating Cheez-Its at home as a sign of extracurricular activity. Uh, so, I mean, not per se, I mean, it, it could be, you know, pick your poison. Um, I, I would probably say actually... You know, I would even venture to say that that is an underrated issue with working from home, which is like, if you don't wear your business clothes for a while, then they might not fit when you go back to the office. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I mean, it yeah. is like, I, I really have been using the, uh, I've been using the Apple watch and like mm. the, the exercise indicators. I, you mm-hmm. have a smart watch, maybe not an Apple watch, Pete, right? Yeah, yeah. You have like I have a, a Fitbit or something. Yeah, there yeah, you go. And like yeah. it, it, uh, it bugs you if you haven't been standing up in a little while, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's been really, that's been really useful. 10 of every hour. It's like, you should do your thing, right? Yeah. You go, go, go do your thing. So, uh, so member D Ford, I'm very glad that you have a mid afternoon dance party because that exertion Mm -hmm. is sort of, uh, is really, 
important for you. Uh, Member Julie also says, uh, I'm curious about y'all's favorite OTI episodes. And she offers, mine is uh, episode 230, There is Nothing New Under the Hipster Cowboy Hat, followed closely by number 231, They Did Go Hungry Again. (laughs) <laughs> I believe the line from that episode, I mean, it is like eight years ago. So, you know, maybe I, I might misremember, but uh, I believe it was spoiler alert. They did go hungry again was the the full thing. But the, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know, Pete, re- re- real quick off the dome. Do you have a, do you have a favorite? I mean, we always talked about the one where he interviewed the Ghostbusters guy. Um, uh, sure. <laughs> that was really fun. I mean, there's the special Fast and the Furious supplemental I did with Hannah Fole on Tokyo Drift when yep. I skipped it in my first watch through. That felt pretty special. Um, we liked our Man of Steel podcast. I think that one was one that really stood out for us as good. Um, there's just so many. And, the, and it's, it's, it, there's so many hundreds of them at this point. It's, it's, it's like unfathomable that there's that much of us talking that's know, like on right. record that people can listen to. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I feel yeah, like I anyone no. who wants no. to destroy my life can do it if they want. I mean, there's enough in there. Uh, just not Star Trek Beyond alone. Um, <laughs> no, that's a lot of that is written, Pete. A lot of yeah. that stuff is oh Star Trek Beyond. Sorry, I thought you meant Star Trek Discovery. No, um, uh, that was just uh, an th- exercise in yeah, despair. Those are uh, those are written. I mean, a lot about Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance as well. I like yeah. the ones where we do um, where we do something a little interesting, where we kind of mess with the form a little bit, like this yeah. one, sort of, uh, or um, the. BDS race episode that was good yep. or um you know where and we started by talking i you know i i think i started that one out and by talking about uh my favorite translation of the odyssey right and that was like uh it was like um an appropriate topic for uh you know for an immediate race episode because it's it's the odyssey anyway and and uh and the uh, edge of tomorrow podcast as well yeah that, that, this podcast is ruined that was a great one i like that one a lot yeah absolutely so i, I mean, like the, i like the ones where we do something with the formula here's the thing my absolute favorite podcast is yeah. almost certainly the episode of the 24 live another day recap where the overthinking at home offices catch on fire and we call the the overthinking at fire department and uh and and it's but it's a fire department that only exists to make charity calendars so they're all just really like sexy shirtless firemen who don't know how to put out <laughs> fires and there's the, i did this really trashy combination of like disco and and siren sound effects anyway i really like the 24 hour live another day no, real time that is yeah as a kind of capsule thing that's one of yeah. the best things that we ever did you and ryan really i shouldn't say we i shouldn't take credit for your work you, you and ryan really put well i was in it i got I, shot by a sniper and fell off of a, a roof <laughs> a window i also <laughs> said one of my favorite favorite lines of dialogue i've ever had which was cold brew coffee is a painstaking and artisanal process, process. um yeah that's uh that's one of the one of the better things that that we've done all right pushing on uh uh ian r member ian r in my day job i write and negotiate contracts for services across a wide variety of industries for a very large uh customer one challenge that we're always already having is that many of our sites where these contractors work will be going to minimum staffing or telework only and a lot of the workers do manual jobs that can't be done that way so uh they're just out of work and we're all trying to figure out what to do do they do they burn vacation time assuming they have vacation time do they get leave from their employer from the the uh, i assume 
the contracting firm. Um, but on paid leave, it's a mess. There's a decent chance that if they aren't paid during their hiatus, you don't get them back when the work resumes, which is completely fair, but would also be uh, would also be a problem for the also be a problem for the company. One possible solution would be to give people if if you are in this situation. I mean, suppose you are set aside. You know, set aside your your assumptions and preconceptions. Says Matt Rather about about this thing. And suppose you are you know Big Co. Two thousand twenty, right? Mm-hmm. Big Co. Uh, has a bunch of of contract workers. You know, and what do you do because you you want them back when when things come back. Uh, it's normal. So, uh, member ENR continues. One possible solution would be to give them all another task to do that could be done remotely so that there'd be some basis for continuing to pay them. Um, you know, even if it's completely different from their normal job. And, and member ENR is suggesting that giving people continuity of employment and paying them is a good thing. Um, so what are our ideas, uh, practical and sane or both, for things that uh, contract workers like truck drivers, mechanics, construction workers, or other, you know, other kinds of, of people could do via telework um, to, uh, to pass the time uh, to provide value and still meet a good faith def- definition of working. I mean, this isn't a very interesting thing. It's very, it's very practical for, uh, it's very practical for these times. Uh, Pete, do you have any thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean, well, first it breaks my heart, right? Because it's not fair. Um, like it says, like, like every, like the only people who get paid for not doing work are going to be the truck drivers. <laughs> That's not fair. Um, and, and in the sense that there's a lot of people who, you know, pay doesn't always necessarily go to the people who do the most work. Right. And so, I mean, I know that people have to make these sorts of decisions and a lot of it is dictated by precedent and regulations and whatnot. So what I will say is that if you don't have stuff to do that you're not doing, um, wow. <laughs> right. Uh, and then as I've said, I don't know if you've had this experience too. I sort of assume it's, a, it's a widespread experience everything is being managed so lean with like such little staffing to get things done that like there is always more work to do. Um, and, and that, and that I don't know, I mean, again, maybe you haven't had that experience, but I sure have. And so, yeah, if but, I sure, were to think, so yeah. but like Peter in, in my, I'll just use, cause I don't know yeah. where member Ian R's, uh, uh, I don't know what big co actually is or, or what yeah. they are, but so, um, in various times in my life, I've had mm-hmm. a contract QA firm doing yeah. like regressions on my releases, like making sure that I haven't broken any existing functionality. It's, uh, it's painstaking work. It's what we call low skilled, though. I think that's a, a terrible and demeaning description of, of any human activity. Activity. Um, but uh, it's not hard to train someone to do it. Is, is right. what that means, and um, and you can find a lot of people capable of doing it. So the the you know now if we were to ramp our production releases down to zero, right? Um, we wouldn't have the need for these contract QA workers, right? And you know, on that basis, they report a number of hours to us. We pay the invoice based on the number of hours, you know, actually worked, you know, prorated in quarter hours by the, the firm we're contracting to. And, and if that goes to zero, right? Like they're either going to find other work or like, you know, some, it's, it's a bad circumstance. So like what I want is what I want, (laughs) what I want, what I want is a reasonable make work job, though that's a terrible demeaning thing to say that I can give my contract QA workers 
right? Um, while they don't have any, while they don't have any QA to do, and whether it's you know whether it's truck drivers or whether it's mechanics or whether you know what I mean, and, or construction workers, people who are working on something in the physical world that requires that they be in a certain place and they just can't be in that place, like or whatever. If I suddenly need to to convert. Uh, a, a workforce too too remote and try try to keep paying them. Mm-hmm. What task can what task can I uh, what task can I give them? Um, so if you work for so here's my idea, Pete. If yeah. you work for Big Co Two Thousand, right? I guarantee mm-hmm. that Big Co Two Thousand has something called a knowledge base, right? Yep. And I guarantee that it's very badly out of date, no matter yeah. what it is. Right. So, uh, actually like taking, taking the time to update the documentation for any process that these workers are involved in, right. Is, is, uh, would actually provide non-negligible value, uh, to the business and taking a lot of stuff that is either tribal knowledge or is, is stored in people's heads and documenting it. Um, that's, that's sort of one, that's sort of one idea for yeah. what pe- what people could do in the absence of uh labor in the the molecules um real world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like exactly. I, well, the first thing I was thinking of was focus grouping, right? Interesting. Like yeah, as in well we want to improve the process or we want to understand the the where the rubber meets the road and what's going on. A lot of the time the people who are in the decision making positions don't have as much direct exposure to what's happening on the ground. If you had a time yeah. and, and process you don't ask improvements, people, yeah. yeah. You don't ask people because you don't have them around to ask. They're out working and you're out working. Well if there's a time when all of them are all sitting there for a week, have a conference. Have a virtual conference where you talk about how to improve the work when we all get back to it. And of course, you know, you can understand why there would be issues with that because like, well, are we going to go back to it? Is everybody here going to be able to go back to it? And I really, again, it's, it's, this is a really tough thing to talk about on like an entertainment podcast because it's people's livelihoods. Um, but I will say uh, that I think, I do think that there's a bit of a, of a mathematical issue here, um, which is that I, especially with regards to contractors, which is that I, I definitely feel like people measure too often the listed price of contracting services against the real price of in-house staff, as opposed to the real price of contracting against the real price of in-house staff. With the idea that anything that you budget or anything that you plan is going almost always going to cost more and be more complicated than you think. And it's not because it's going to fail, but it's just because of the role of random chance in complicating things, right? Like people made decisions about what was going to happen now in the world based on what they thought was going to happen, which isn't what happened. And so what's going on is more expensive and more difficult than what they thought was going to go on. And this is a very extreme case, but it's always happening to a greater or lesser degree. Sure. Um, and so I guess the other thing that I, that I would suggest is like, um, okay, so if you need to find work for them to do, uh, yeah, process improvement is great. Knowledge-based work is great. Um, I mean, is there, is there other kinds of paperwork that hasn't been filed that you can bump up? Right. Um, is there, uh, I mean, is there, I mean, I guess what, can they work with facilities? Could you do like a facilities review? Are there trainings? Um, I mean, are there on the clock trainings that you You can can do do professional development? Yeah, exactly. To kind of level these people up so that they're actually more valuable when, you know, when they, uh, see it as an opportunity for on the job training for the next job. That's an idea. 
There's, I mean, again, it's how do you. And that actually, it? I mean, yeah. that that has a, a kind of a good humane aspect to it because whether or not, like, I, you know, I think it's laudable to say, how can we keep paying our contract? How can we keep paying people during this time, even if the deal was like they work a certain number of hours and, you know, they're not working on the thing you were going to hire them for? I think it's good to say, how can we continue to keep them employed? Yeah. And even if they don't, uh, even if you can't, you know, once once all the dust settles from all of this, like on the job training, will at least have given them some something you know valuable for their either to this company or to them in their next role. Yeah, know? it's the whole setup stinks. Oh um, well, I mean, yeah. It, it yeah, it stinks. It stinks for a number of reasons, and and yeah. I totally, uh, I mean, I I totally agree with you about the the though though it's kind of necessary, especially if you're doing things that are not like specifically related to your core competency as a business. Mm-hmm. But like, um, like I never do my own lawyering as a self-employed computer programmer, <laughs> for example. Yeah. Um, but like I, uh, yeah, it's and and I definitely have the have had the things in organizations where it's like, oh well, we can get an agency or a contract from to do this. It's like, yeah, but you haven't considered the total cost of ownership of this yeah. processor or, or product. And like, actually, you know, it, it might make sense yeah. to, you know, give people stable employment for uh, mm-hmm. providing value to the business. Member Zach E says... Well, I, I, actually, it's interesting. These are going to get... Uh, <laughs> these questions take a turn <laughs> as we okay. go. Uh, we're starting to see a greater awareness of the people involved in the basic operation of our society. Yep. Not just the doctors, nurses, and emergency personnel, but the people who work in retail and food service and uh, their related operations. Will this awareness last past the end of our current situation? Or do you think we'll return to business as usual when this is over? Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, member Zach E also says, uh, what is the next step in virtual meeting space when this is, uh, when, according to popular culture, Star Trek and any, uh, a number of other movies gave us video calls and conferences, just like, just like this one that we're on now. Are we going to see a Star Wars style holographic meeting space, the adoption of VR chat style meeting spaces or something else drawn from science fiction that I missed? So uh, when when we're back, when we're back, what happens to all these people who we actually realize we need? Grocery grocery store workers, oh my my goodness, have been like some angels to me yeah. uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, so what what happens to to uh, the social place of those people, and what is the next step of our virtual meeting space? I don't know, Pete. What do you think? Well, okay, so. I do. I do think that um, the idea that people become aware of things when things are bad, and and that it, they get reminded that they that they are important, um, and that we need to hold on to that awareness. I always have a little bit of an issue with that because I don't necessarily think people aren't aware of of these people when things are good, um, and, and so it's. I don't. And I also don't necessarily. I'm just not an advocate for the idea that things becoming bad. Is a is an impetus and catalyst for things getting better. Um, I think, to an extent, well, here's here's what here's what I think. I think that the big issue that it, one of the big issues that's being revealed right now, right, is this notion of like um, if we want to have an economy where people move from job to job, and where in particular people who are providing wage work, right. Are, are sometimes they're going to be wanted and sometimes they're not going to be wanted and in extreme situations they might be wanted a lot and in particular and in, here's the other, here's the other thing there's a there's a paradox going on where the perception and probably the reality of reduced 
job security is uh, affecting people staying in the job, right? And, and so you end up with shortages of folks because who wants to go be a truck driver now, right? Um, and this is all pretty, pretty well documented here and there. If they get the impression that the job isn't going to exist, they are not going to go into it. And then you are going to have a shortage and the price for you of this work happening is going to go up. Um, I feel like we're doing, we do a very, we have not fully transitioned, obviously, in the United States away from the idea that you work for the same company for your whole life. Too much of people's lives is, is invested into their, into their job in terms of like, not just like their personality and their livelihood, but like the logistics of them being employed. Right. Um, and, um, and so, and what I mean by that is, you know, you have to, you have to sign your W4 with each employer and you have to get your tax ID set up with each employer and each employer is going to set up your withholding for your taxes. And if any of your with, you know, and if you're self-employed, then the system isn't even built for you and it doesn't work. Right. And then you get screwed on your withholdings. Right. And so like, you you can't you can't take your health insurance with you. You can't take anything with you. Sort and, of. I like. I I don't know. I like. I I have mixed feelings on self employment yeah. tax. Like, if you take seriously the idea that you are both your employer and your own employee, it makes sense that you have to mm. pay both halves of the social tax. Like, mm. someone is paying that social tax when you're a W two. It's it's just mm-hmm. that you know when anyway. I'm sorry. Well, too, no. What I, what I would deep, say though deep. is Matt is that you're very smart and experienced. And, and I think that a lot of people who are put into the situation of self-employment are not interested in being managers. Oh yeah. That's well, it's yeah. not, it's not even being a manager are not interested in being a, a, a tech worker who can, yeah, well, you know, or a, like a lawyer who can charge in the, you know, very high figures for, for, you know, each hour, each hour of work that they do. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it, it almost none of the, I am 100% with the like gig workers and whatnot who want to either unionize or be reclassified as, as employees. Like I, you know, there are some problems with the assembly bill that we had, uh, AB5, the assembly bill in California that had, that reclassified a lot of employees there. I mean, there are issues in implementation because it's not, you know, no law is perfect, but like I am behind 100% the idea of like giving people, uh, greater security. And yet almost none of those things imply, uh, applied to me as a, right. uh, you know what I mean? As a self-employed person, because I, I was in a, I was in a professional class rather than being in a, in like a gig worker, mm-hmm. um, in a gig worker class. And a lot of stuff talk in the gig economy, you know, talks about this and, and, um, uh, like talks about this as though, as though everyone were like me, as though every, as all gig work were like, were professional work. A lot of the very, you know, highfalutin stuff about like, you know, the end of work or the end of employment, like talk, you know, the great, you know, freedom afforded to the gig economy does not, you know, uh, does not apply when your business driving a car for Uber is structurally unprofitable because you're not taking into account maintenance and depreciation on the, mm-hmm. you know, on the vehicle that you're using to, to, um, to make your work. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting, uh, well, getting what, I, what I would, here's what I would say to answer the question. I would say the biggest opportunity here is that we have seen very, very clearly a bunch of the weaknesses in the current arrangement of things. And there's obviously going to be a lot of different opinions on what to do about that. And obviously the idea that anybody is in any kind of position to do anything about it, right? When, when the sort of, you know, the idea of there being an elite decision-making class that's responsible for other people has been fundamentally annihilated um, in a political and, and, and economic sense, uh, in the United States, at least, I don't know how it feels in other places, but it's sort of like, if we do continue to care 
I feel like we could make some smart calls on some ideas of what to do that because of things that were revealed in this, right? Like, uh, you know, and, and will we continue to care? I hope so. What I hope is that I hope that when this is all over, we, we have a new holiday. I hope we, we, we set up because that's what makes people remember things, right? Is holidays. Mm. I hope we get a barbecue day where everybody remembers all the people who pitched in and sacrificed during this time. Um, and maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a year from now or whatever. And we, we call it all like, you know, I don't know, all clear day or like, or like inflection day or something. I don't even yeah. know what you call it. But that's, but, I um, mean, yeah, that's, that's funny. You have a, you have a fireworks oriented day off from work and yeah. uh, like, and in that, like there is kind of a story that's, that's told. And, and uh, that as has happened with Labor Day, the unions are stronger than ever. All right, let's push on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, if you were on if you were on video, you'd see Pete's worried face. This stuff is not like casual fun stuff. This is really serious and sad. Right? Like that, people are out there and they're putting themselves on the line, and people's livelihoods are really in trouble. This economy is really going to be really rough, and and I don't know. I can't really speak to how to solve it. I don't know, right? Like I don't have enough money to pay a whole bunch of people. I you know I'm not no mastermind at all this so. Well, yeah, fair enough. Just, I'm sorry. I don't I don't mean to make light of the the of I mean, we real have people's to, right? well, real people suffering. Um, yeah. I'm not sure whether we have to or not. Maybe it's just my own coping mechanism or sort of yeah. defense mechanism. I mean, what I do find funny is the is the penchant to to continue to lie to yourself for yeah. a society to continue to lie uh, yeah. to itself in the face of overwhelming evidence um, evidence to the contrary. But here, here's like, I'll, I'll add this. I'll add this. Um, Thinking about it in terms of futurism, right? Like, what's your forecast about what the future of work is going to be like, right? Um, and then this is a topic I deal with a lot at work, where we talk about this a lot at work, because I do a lot of communication that's both internal and external with people trying to explain, like, what's going to happen uh, with your account or, or with your, your stuff. Um, if your prediction of what the future of work looks like has not changed in response to any events that have taken place in the last 15 years... I don't really see it as credible anymore. If your prediction of the future now is the same as your prediction of the future in like 1985, then I am highly skeptical that what you're really offering is prediction of the future. Um, and then I think that's, that's what it, part of what it boils down to for me, right? Is like if what you think is, and also if what you think is, is, is the best, what we should be aspiring to do has not changed uh, at all then I, I wonder if that's what you're really even interested in doing is thinking about what needs to happen. Oh sure. Um, I mean, I would yeah. tighten the I would tighten the window to about five years, actually. But yeah, 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 you know. yeah. Exactly. I mean, I'm being very, very generous, right? Uh, but like, it's likely if like if you're like, well, you know, obviously we just stock all the grocery stores with robots, and it's like, okay, have you thought about like this big thing that happened that showed us a whole bunch of problems that have to do with grocery store supply management, right? Like, are, are, is your strategy exactly the same as it was? <laughs> because it probably should be like a little different right? at the very least based on this like extraordinary case that's shown you a whole bunch of things you didn't know about how this all works. Yeah, um, I, I think yeah. that that like the the I mean two two things. One, and this gets a little more personal and a little more political than we, than we usually get. But but I think there is a chance. Um, I think there is a chance for certain interests to press their advantage, uh, yeah. given you know, given attention that's been been brought to. Mm -hmm 
you know, certain kind of overlooked jobs or certain overlooked workers or processes that happen to be crucial to, to society. And I hope that, uh, I, I would hope that the people who are involved in advancing those interests are ruthless and pragmatic in getting them, you know, and kind of moving them forward uh, in a way that can increase utility for a lot of, uh, you know, a lot wider group of people. Yeah. Uh, that's what I hope. Um, yeah. You know, the other thing I think is that that we really need to take seriously as a society uh, what it means to be kind of a post-work culture. You know, the idea where one person, it, it's not just that like one person is tied to one company for their whole mm-hmm. life, but I, I think we need to think of lifetimes in which gainful employment is only part of, you know, is only part of the, the time, you know, and there have been, is only, you know, uh, and that the other time is spent with, you know, I, I don't know, other pursuits that are, you know, but we need to look at providing for the material needs of a society where there aren't enough quote unquote jobs to go around um, and, you know, to be done it, because the grocery stores are stocked with robots. You know, there are still thousands, tens of thousands of people who, who need a livelihood and who need mm-hmm. their, their physical needs taken care of and who need their medical needs taken care of and who need their, their you know, mental well-being uh, uh, taken care of. And, and as, you know, automation increases and as, you know, whatever, like we all kind of withdraw into to bubble Zoom calling one another for our, uh, you know, for our social interaction. Like, um, we need to, to sort of think about how at a large scale we reconceptualize our worth, you know, uh, in a way where it's not tied to tied to a jobby job. Um, that is, you know, something that your grandparents would have recognized as a job. Um, let's see. Zachy also says, uh, virtual, virtual meeting space and, and the future. I mean, I've, I have worked in offices with a giant video wall where like the, the, you know, Europe conference room looks like an extension of the Los Angeles conference room. I've also worked on the, the, uh, you know, the zoom call where it's a video wall. It's like a Hollywood square style video wall of faces looking back at you. Um, the, the problem is when you, when you mix those modes, uh, it, it's hard to manage when you know when you're dealing with some because they're different modalities of of how you sort of organize your meeting your meeting socially. So I think that like actually a kind of like telepresence or or uh, you know augmented reality whatever is probably you know likely to be to be trialed within the next. Mm, half dozen years or something like mm-hmm. that, where uh, you get the impression that you know you get the impression that your colleagues are sharing a physical space with you virtually. Mm. Um, a couple more of these before uh, before our meeting wraps up. I'm sorry, Pete. We're go- we're going on. Did you have something scheduled right after this? Uh, something scheduled. Do I have right a hard stop? <laughs> yeah. Do you have you a- ask people if they you have a hard st- if they have a hard stop? Yeah. Um, um, and make John- sure that you remember to hit the action items before the meeting is over. Time wise, not just you conclude it. Yep. Because uh, then people will just leave anyway and then they won't be there to take the assignments that they need to for things that they need to do. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Member John C., um, what are we doing to support the people who aren't non essential enough to stay home, like grocery and restaurant staff? Next bullet. Uh, who just joined? Next bullet. Uh, John C. says, Is it dawning on the world that janitors are more essential than airline CEOs or Elon Musk? 
<laughs> Next bullet. Are there any media around Wait. the house? What? Uh, sorry, I've been frozen out. I didn't hear. Did you? Would you give me an opportunity there to weigh in? on the question or did you just skip me? oh there are, there are five or six bullets here okay uh i, I was gonna i was gonna read them read them okay, all read them all and, can, and then we'll go back sh- should we address all the bullets uh the uh any media you discovered around the house that nobody remembers buying like dvd sets of a show that you want to watch next bullet uh mm-hmm. sorry who just joined did someone just join and then uh, uh, last bullet, how has everyone's neighborhoods changed with people not going out to work and school and shop? Well, some of the stuff about uh, essential and non-essential um, jobs we've, we've talked about already, but let's talk about... Well, uh, I mean, have you been doing stuff? I've been putting money in, you know, paying for gift certificates and buying things that I don't need. And, and you know, I don't really intend to use all the gift certificates and trying to make sure that I continue to order things from places other than Amazon. Uh, you know, that I went out for a pizza which was a scary thing, right? Because it's like, you know, I didn't want to leave the house. But, you know, just, I mean, I'd like to say that I'm putting my money where my mouth is on that at least a little bit. Um, so yeah, if I'm, people are I'm, wondering if we're doing that, then we are. So, we're trying. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I don't want to talk about it, a lot yeah. of it because I feel like to, to a certain extent, like uh, uh, to me, like to, I am in the position of being able to pay my housekeeper and ask that uh, they not come. You know, right, well, yeah, the I mean, house. we don't have a lot of money, right? So it's and it's like, and if you don't have any money to do that, you shouldn't be expected to do it. No, I mean, I, no, but it's, yeah. it's so like so. I don't want to necessarily turn it yeah. into a, a big virtual vir, uh, no. virtue signaling thing, but like I. Uh, I live in a neighborhood where I've lived for um, more than ten years with a lot of small businesses in it, and you know, let's just say that um, uh, <laughs> I, I the the tip line on a lot of my purchases has exceeded the purchase amount on a lot of my purchases yeah. recently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, on a lot of things on a lot of days this uh yeah. the last the last two weeks and like that and by the way that's crappy right yeah. like the fact that it takes that you know mm-hmm. um the fact that like every, everyone uh you know i i guess it's right to applaud when when wealthy people kick in you know a million dollars 10 million dollars whatever to to meals on wheels or to other charities that you know are are serving essential functions and like it is good that those things are getting done and that like that relief is being provided to people but it's crappy like uh mm-hmm. that's no way to run a culture like that's no way to run a society um on the whim of uh you know on the whim of the wealthy who you know decide to uh who decide to pitch in and could decide not to pitch in mm-hmm. um hey pete you uh you discovered any dvds around the house that you haven't um they <laughs> that you don't remember buying well, I will say that yes. Uh, have you ever played? Have you ever played Quiddler? I played Quiddler for the first time today, which is a delightful little card game. And this is like a card game that I think my wife has had for like twenty years, and we've never played. We've been together for you know six, seven years at this point, and, and we've never played it before. It's sort of like a cross between Gin Rummy and Scrabble. So I highly recommend Quiddler. Um, and other DVDs that I have. I mean, we did reorganize the DVDs. Um, uh, I didn't, I did, oh, I tried to watch uh, Step Brothers, uh, which is, oh, I haven't seen that in a long time. I didn't really like it. I thought it was supposed to be really funny. It didn't really work. Um, what did I end up watching that I actually, that actually liked um, better than Step Brothers? I think it was The Mandal- Mandalorian, which I had missed, but that's not in the old DVDs. Mm. Um, I mean, we've got Tetris. 
That's always good. <laughs> <laughs> always go back to Tetris. Tetris is still, those blocks are still falling, man. They're still falling over. Um, what about you? What, I mean, I've, of course, I've got my, my little action figures, which the people who've been watching the video have gotten a chance to see. Um, trotting those out, got those out of storage. So yeah, it definitely. Good. I mean, I definitely have a thing since since I was a member of a performance union. I got like awards DVDs. I get awards DVDs a lot of years, though they've they've moved online, so you don't get the DVDs to keep anymore. You get mm-hmm. the higher quality, uh, higher quality streaming copies of movies to review before you vote for the SAG awards. But it's not you don't have a physical artifact. But I have like just from years and years and years and years past, in no particular order, just this hodgepodge of of screener dvds that like one will like fall off the shelf as you walk past it at some point mm-hmm. and it's like oh this obscure you know indie film starring linda cardellini that that no one ever saw and i didn't either maybe i should watch that tonight but i have definitely been clearing out the backlog like you said you watched the mandalorian uh, i watched Mindhunter, um mm-hmm. and got you know just uh, cleared out the backlog uh yeah. there's lots and lots of youtube videos of classic 90s nba basketball I highly recommend it. It's the World War II movie for Gen X and the Millennials right there is like old videos of Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley and John Starks and all sorts of nonsense. So sure. A, yeah. And then uh, to what John C. asks about how has everyone's neighborhoods changed with people not going out to work? I, I will say it's a little surreal because like we are, we, uh, you know, we're all like walking our dogs, but we do maintain a distance from one another. So like the dogs don't understand the dogs don't want to socially distance. And it's a little heartbreaking to have to like pull them off, you know, not wanting to, cause they, you know, they just want to be friendly. And mm-hmm. there, there is this weird thing that has happened that in order to maintain the, you know, sort of two meter distance, uh, the two meter radius, between everybody uh like only one person can walk on the sidewalk so there are a bunch of people walking in the roads in my neighborhood uh Mm. sort of up and down creating like four or five pedestrian lanes including two sidewalks and three on the uh three on the road and it is it is this this interesting it is this interesting thing like a lot of our you know cities are designed for the benefit of cars right like for the benefit of sort of automobiles and like organized around around that and what happens when that is no longer the kind of the most needful design constraint that you have with neighborhoods could is something that could potentially be be interesting in the same way that like what happens with all this commercial real estate uh, once you don't need to have a physical desk for everybody all the time, mm-hmm. you know, in an office building is a, another interesting possibility. Yeah. Thoughts on this one, Pete, before we wrap up? Well, I live in the burbs now. I mean, if you look out this window behind me, if you can see on the video, it's just darkness. That's out there is, is about, it, maybe it goes about 500 feet straight back into the, into wetlands uh, and trees and, and creek and swampy stuff and, and a hill with a bunch of fallen wood on it. There could be a bear behind me at any point and I would not see it until it was too late. Um, so everything is absolutely deserted. And so, uh, I mean, you'll be outside and you'll see people walk down the street and I'll wave or I'll wave to the cars. I've, I've been out in my lawn a lot and, and it's lawn is kind of the wrong word for it. You can think of it as kind of like a, um, it's a, it's a sort of hilly, rocky side of the road. Uh, where there's like layers and layers of leaves because people haven't really been taking care of it for a couple of years. And so I'm trying to rehabilitate it a little bit over the course of the time that I'm at home. And people will walk by on the street and I'll wave and say hello, but like we can't talk. 
um, right? Because there's the social distancing stuff. And we went for one walk in the woods um, and we would run across people, right? And we would say hello, but we would maintain our distance and everybody would have to like move out of the way. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that like, I'm not in a big city right now. Uh, you know, I just left a pretty urban environment and being out here, it just really feels deserted. Um, and so, uh, I don't know whether that's sort of where New Englanders are really like hunkered down, uh, of all stripes, regardless of whether they're in the city or not at this point, they're just used to hunkering down because of blizzards and whatnot. Um, or whether that's happening in every suburb everywhere. Also, I know that my family in New Jersey is pretty locked down right now. Um, and as is my you know, family everywhere. Um, so yeah, I would say that like, it's interesting I mean, here it feels like The Walking Dead. <laughs> it's, and it's like, because it's like absent. And then like two people and a dog come down the street and they start approaching and you feel a vague sense of threat because it's like, oh no, well, of course they're not going to get too close to me. Like they're not coming at me. They're going to walk down the street. It's going to be fine. But there's this moment of like, are we going to interact? What's going to happen? Um, yeah. And so that's what I've been noticing, I suppose. But mostly I've just been staying inside and uh, it's, it's, it's been getting to me, but I think it's getting to everybody a little bit. So I will say that much. Um, yeah, and I guess the other thing is that if... I think when, when you said the, the sort of the future of virtual workspaces, I'm more interested in the future of apartments because if there's one thing that... I think one thing really becoming clear from all of this is the standard configuration of a modern apartment is very poorly suited for all the people who have to do this in them right now, right? Like, if, especially if you have kids, um, where's your desk going to go, Right. If, if, you, if you have a studio or if you have a three-bedroom, right, with three people there and there's only one space big enough for, like, a big desk, how are you all going to work from home at the same time? So what I ho- hopefully what you'll see is a, is a reconception as people are also fiddling with this whole housing and cities thing. I would, I would hope, and I, and I don't think it's going to happen, but I would hope that, uh, that people will consider making spaces livable and not just small. Um, and, and, giving, and it's like, well, if you have to work from home, you need the space to do it. Uh, you need also need, and that doesn't just mean the space to physically have a desk, but you need to have the space to have multiple adults in the same room or the same like apartment at the same time and not necessarily be right next to each other. Um, because they can't, you know, and especially with kids and stuff. So, so I don't know, we'll see how it all gets reconfigured and and if there are any good ideas that come out of this. So that is, I mean, it's funny. I have a lot of thoughts about that, but we're, we're Mm -hmm. near the end. We're, we're going out with a thought from member Chad. When it comes to the question of remote work, I find myself pondering two images. The first is a person wearing pajama pants, watching Netflix in front of the company issued laptop. The other is a person with a home office. It's a, it's a pretty wide. You, you're, you're, it's, a, it's a wide range. Yeah, remember, Chad. You're two. You're two kinds of people. Are like uh, there might be. Uh, you know, there are two kinds of people in in the world. Um, Chad uh, continues. I'm a home office kind of guy. Without the trappings of work, I cannot really do work, and that might be my provincial 20th century approach to things. No, I I don't think so. Uh, member Chad, it's what Pete just said. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. that like there is, a, you need to be able to create boundaries even within the same space around different modes of, you know, uh, around different modes of, of activity. It was, it was easy uh, when jobs were factory jobs, like in, in the industrial revolution, it's easy to see how you need one type of station to do one type of manufacturing task and then another type of station to do another type of manufacturing task. You know what I mean? Like the piece has to be machined or the wood has to be milled or then, you know, then the piece has to go to the paint station, right? Which is in a booth because you can't have paint spraying everywhere. Then it has to go into the heat treat oven, which has to be like set off on the floor because it's a heat treat oven and it gets up to 1200 
100 degrees or whatever, you know what I mean? Whatever it is. And you, you are not like your, your virtual work. Um, I mean, this is something I have thought a lot about doing, you know, doing fake work, like writing computer code all day. Um, like the, the, there are different modes in that job and they need different stations. You know, they need like, uh, different um, mental states. They need different kind of programs open on the computer. They need kind of different music playing in the headphones or whatever. Like what, you know, the, the kind of the physical, the mental and kind of the information, virtual digital space needs to be configured differently. If you're at the virtual sort of, you know, uh, uh, table saw, right. Ripping, you know, sheets of plywood to, to size, or if you're at the virtual, you know, I don't know like uh uh drill press or you know whatever i've 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 just uh pulled a, a whole bunch of names of equipment uh, out of my butt with, from completely different completely different you know uh types hospital of, visits yeah exactly yeah, right um the drill press yeah <laughs> the whole uh you know and that like you you uh my point is that you you are your work is less your work is less unlike factory work than you think it is, even if you're a knowledge worker. And the more you can treat yourself, the, the more you can use the kind of the smart parts of your mind uh, or the smart stretches uh, where you are, you know, well-rested, well-fed, low cognitive load, like you can use those times to plan out for the times uh, where the dumb part of your brain is going to show up, whether you're, you know, uh, highly stressed or undernourished or tired or, you know, uh, multitasking or whatever, like uh, the the better off you'll be, the more you can sort of set up your mm-hmm. stations. And if for you, that means you need a home office and like, uh, you know, and and to get dressed in a, a button up shirt and, a, you know, or in, in I, I should be non... Uh, non-gender specific and sort of business appropriate in office in, uh, you know, business casual clothes, like, um, then that's what you need. And like, give your, give yourself the things that you need, uh, in order to take care of yourself. Um, and you know, be real, like, uh, don't be like a society that lies to itself about its, uh, its most basic function, at least be, be real about what your needs are and sort of honor yourself by, you know, taking, taking your needs seriously, uh, especially the need to stop. Yeah, <laughs> and to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I sorry that, that was more of a rant than I I intended it's it to good. be. But but you're my dude, member Chad, uh, and uh, I'm glad you have a home office. Um, and and uh, Pete, I'm glad you have a I'm glad you have a basement. Yeah, it's pretty great, right? It's got a keyboard. It's got a bunch of jigsaw puzzles. It's pretty fun down here. Maybe we'll give you a maybe we'll give the members a tour sometime. A virtual, they, yeah, a virtual tour. We'll get we'll get that yeah. up. Well, thank you to our members for uh, suggesting the topics uh, for our talk, uh, our important business meeting. Um, the uh, my action, I have an action item here, Pete, uh, to thank uh, to thank you for podcasting with me, to thank our members for for contributing, and to thank everyone for listening. Uh, and uh, you have an action item um, if you have been listening to this podcast, which is to visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve Pika Pika!
I'm just a meatwad, and I'm gonna roll into my room. Pika, pika, pika. What is that? Thundershock. Oh, you don't Pikachu. You can't say Thundershock. Uh, hold on, I gotta find Mumra. I have awakened. Ah, pika, pika. Thundershock. Ah. See, it all works on video, guys. It, it works on Zoom. If you're on say, audio only, <laughs> this makes no. This makes overthinkingit.com/slash join. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's the Ninja Turtle. I didn't even bring him out yet. Cowabunga. <laughs> 